exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. So WDBM Sports at gmail.com or go ahead and give us a call. It's 517-432-3893. Coming up this hour, we will talk Michigan State baseball. They've won four in a row and seven of their last eight, heading into a key weekend series next weekend down in Champaign against Illinois, and that could very well be a rubber match to determine who goes to the Big Ten tournament. Top six teams in the conference, the Big Ten, make it to that tournament, and that is one of their goals. Joining us this hour through the phones will be shortstop Brandon Doherty. He's going to give us a call about 7.30, so you don't want to miss that. He had a tremendous weekend, turned some amazing double plays on the field. Also, we'll talk about the big weekend Sean Walker had. As you know, I call play-by-play for Michigan State Baseball, and you'll hear exactly what Sean Walker did later in the hour. Also, women's basketball, Michigan State, the coaching carousel continues to turn. Just as Susie Merchant is hired and hires Anne-Marie Gilbert to her staff, Anne-Marie Gilbert is now leaving. I'll tell you where she's going and why later in this hour. Also, the Pistons lose to the Bulls. No worry there, though. As as we head back to Detroit and Pistons, we'll wrap things up. We'll talk NBA playoffs later in the hour. Also, Drew Stanton has been named the Michigan College Athlete of the Year. He will receive the award tonight, actually, at the Detroit Athletic Club in downtown Detroit. So we'll talk about Drew Stanton and other notables that are up there in that list that may have deserved it more so than Michigan State's own Drew Stanton. And to wrap it up, we'll talk a little college basketball. We know how ESPN came out with a list of the top 10 programs of the top of the last 10 years. And we saw that Michigan state was atop that list in many professional writers, personal list. And they came out with a new list at ESPN and it was called the most underachieving programs in the top of that list. John, the university of Michigan, not big blue. So we'll, we'll give us, you know, we'll do a little badgering of the, of, uh, you know, of the maize and blue a little later, talk about how, you know, pathetic, you know, they are in basketball, but more importantly, we're going to talk the NHL. I know I do not cover the NHL much on this show, but I'm not going to try to dabble in waters and pretend like I know something that I do not necessarily follow as precise as other sports. And for that, I bring in student general manager John Fournier. How you doing, Dan? He's been on this show before, facing off in you know the blue corner versus you know Jason James in some debate. So the Red Wings, yeah, spectacular finish to to their game one victory. Yes. Um, not so much in game two. Not so much in game two. But you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna start it off with with just you know on the, as the NHL as a whole, little bird's eye view. The possibility in your eyes that we could see a Ryan Miller versus Drew Miller Stanley Cup final. Um, I you know I'm I'm not sure. I don't think that Ryan Miller's the Buffalo Sabers going to make it past the Ottawa Senators. I really don't. And I love the Buffalo Sabers, but. The Senators are just keyed in, man. They are totally dialed in right now to their game, and they've got a hot goalie. They've got forwards that are scoring. They've got Tom Pricing back on the blue line, who's just been ripping it up on defense. And uh, they've got a 2-0 series lead heading back to Ottawa, so I just don't see Buffalo making it out. I know a lot of people right now are picking Ottawa to, to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I know you're you're a big Detroit fan, as I am, am I. Are, are you still taking Detroit, even though the series is now tied at one apiece? Yeah, you bet. I mean, being tied one-to-one against a team like the Anaheim Ducks is huge. Even though the Wings dropped a game at home, it doesn't matter. They're going to come into Anaheim. They're going to play a great game. You know, both of these games have been really close, and I think all of the games so far are going to be really close. 
every playoff game the Wings have ever played against the Ducks has been really close. So we'll see what happens. If you want to join us, the number is 517-432-3893. Also, we have an email. It's wdbmsports at gmail.com. Hey, John, I have a question for you. Yeah. Like Dan, I don't exactly follow the NHL mm-hmm. like other sports. And uh, I was just wondering, why do you think this more so isn't a, a hockey on the ice issue as more in the stands. Why do you think the Red Wings, which are traditionally, which traditionally sell out their games for the playoffs or haven't sold out a game yet at the Joe? Uh, well, it's haven't sold out a game yet in the playoffs at the Joe. And I think that uh, it's sheer economics, man. You've got uh, now two more winning teams in town with the Pistons and the Tigers. Um, the Pistons are making a deep playoff run. The Tigers are just coming off an eight-game winning streak. So uh, you can go to see those games for less than you can see a Red Wings game. But the thing to really look at here is the Tigers, uh, excuse me, the Red Wings TV ratings are through the roof. Uh, they're, they're pulling in, you know, a nine share, ten share. It's huge. You don't get those kinds of ratings uh, in other hockey markets. And so the Wings are still the TV ratings blockbusters as far as sports teams go in the metro area. I just think it's a matter of uh, ticket prices. John, sticking on the topic of the NHL and the Detroit Red Wings, what are your keys to, to the remainder of this series? Is it stopping Scott Niedermeyer? What is it? Are we missing our defensemen, or, or what, what do you think? Uh, well, I think there are a couple things. First of all, most importantly, Dominic Hasek needs to be hot. Um, he needs to be the stud goalie that he is, and I think that he's shown himself to be so far in these playoffs. Uh, the second thing is the Wings need to keep on getting contributions from their third and fourth line wingers. You know, they got a goal last night from uh, Kirk Maltby, which is great to see, um, and they, you know, picked up uh, a couple of really stellar plays from Dan Cleary as well. They need, that needs to keep on going. What the Wings really need to do, though, is not let Anaheim pressure them so much uh, in their own zone. Anaheim's fortunate check is just smothering. Uh, so the Wings need to find a better way to break out of the zone. I think that they need to be more physical with Anaheim. They need to, when they go into the corners, they need to be more willing to lay on the check. They need to be more willing to lay on the body in the open ice, uh, in the neutral zone, and I think that's when you really see the game start to turn. But I will say this. I think Anaheim and Detroit are two evenly matched teams, and you saw this yesterday in the game. The momentum was always with the team that scored last. And uh, that, you know, it's really important for the Wings to get on the board early because they need to be able to carry that momentum in. And I will say this, too. The Wings, I think, for most of the game yesterday, outplayed the Ducks. Uh, I think, though, that the third goal by the Ducks was clearly, clearly should have been disallowed. That was not a goal, according to the NHL rulebook. Hasek made the save, and it's illegal for uh, a goal has to be disallowed if it enters the net with the goalie after he's already made a save while the goalie's being pushed into the net. And he was clearly being pushed into the net by Rob Niedermeyer after he already made the save. It should not have been a goal. And uh, it, the officiating's been terrible, but that's a perfect example right there. All right, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but playing brilliantly throughout the playoffs, we saw what he did in Game 1. Nick Lidstrom, is he the MVP of this playoffs thus far? Absolutely. I think hands down Nick Lidstrom is the MVP. You can point to one play, and his play has been consistent throughout. It's been consistent throughout his entire career. He's hands down the best defenseman in the NHL, possibly the best defenseman ever to play hockey. But one play alone in Game 5 when he stopped that uh, San Jose shot from going into the goal, 
just on his own effort, he dove for the puck. Uh, the Jonathan Chichu, I think, had an open net. Lidstrom stopped that puck, and that was possibly a serious saving play right there. And that's the kind of commitment and the kind of play you get consistently from Nicholas Lidstrom. Hands down, the playoff MVP so far. If you want to join us, we're talking some NHL hockey, Red Wings in particular. The number is 517-432-3893. The email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. If you'd like to chime in and you just don't want to hear your voice heard on the air, send us an email. We're available anywhere around the world. So, also our web stream, available anywhere around the world, impact89fm.com. You miss a show, you want to check out a past show. We do have podcasting. You can check out past shows. They're updated weekly, bi-weekly usually. And you can you can check out our past shows there. Back to the NHL though. Are we are the Red Wings are they really missing Matthew Schneider right now? Absolutely. Matthew Schneider is a huge presence back on the blue line. Um on the power play, he peppers shots from the blue line and he's got a wicked slap shot, a wicked wrist shot. And in his own end, he's he's very responsible. Now that being said, uh the Wings have had great play from Kyle Quincy and Brett Lebda, who are two of our younger defensemen who've really stepped up. I think Kyle Quincy has earned a spot on the roster for next year. Uh the Wings called him up from Grand Rapids to uh uh, take the place of uh, m- one of the many injured defensemen that they have, and um, he's just been phenomenal. But without Matthew Schneider on the blue line, they lose a presence on the power play, uh, and you know they lose another defenseman who can give them that many more minutes this deep in the playoffs. John, I have another question for you. Um, as far as television, like we don't get versus where we're at. Right. And um, I was wondering who's going to be carrying the finals because I like watching the NHL playoffs. Um, I I don't watch it as much as I should, Mm -hmm. but I do like watching it because of the intensity and the – the quality of hockey that is being played. Well, John, I'll tell you, I don't think anybody watches hockey as much as they should. I think it's the best game on earth. I will say that hands down. But um, the way the the TV schedule works in the NHL is uh, if a game's on a weekend, it's picked up by one of the networks, either the cable network or NBC, and the cable network is versus, uh, through the first two rounds. If it's on a weekday, it's on the local uh, channel. After the first two rounds, all of the games are either broadcast on Versus, uh, CBC, which is the Canadian channel, uh, or NBC. It's on Versus if it's on a weekday. It's on NBC if it's on a weekend. In the finals, I believe all of the games are broadcast on NBC. Okay, that's what I was hoping for so I could watch them. Yeah, and, you know, that's a a great question with the NHL is they had a contract sitting on their doorstep for ESPN, and they opted to go with Versus that has maybe one-tenth the market penetration that ESPN does. And it's a lot of people criticize Gary Bettman, who's the commissioner of the NHL, for that. Because hockey, it's never on SportsCenter. It's never on any sports highlights anymore because it's played on such a small market. You know, if the games are being played on ESPN, they're going to play the highlights for the games on SportsCenter just to promo their own show and their own programming. But, you know, that that's another story for another time, I guess. That's the business of the NHL. Absolutely. Speaking of business, when Hashik, the 42-year-old goaltender, was brought in at the beginning of the year, a lot of eyebrows were raised. 
Uh, are those people silenced, those critics silenced now since Hashik is performing quite well? Absolutely. I think so. Absolutely. You know, Ken Holland uh, had a couple options. He could have gotten to, for goaltender. Could have stuck with Manny Legacy, which I don't think was an option uh, given his meltdown in the playoffs. Uh, he could have let Chris Osgood take over as the number one goalie, which I'm comfortable with that. Chris Osgood's a Stanley Cup caliber goaltender. I like him. Could have signed Martin Gerber from Carolina. It's a good thing he didn't do that. Gerber is melted down this year. He's not not the goalie that everybody made him out to be. Could have signed Eddie Belfour, who's got a bad back, really bad personal issues. Opted not to go with that. If you really look at it, Hasek was the best decision at the time. He signed him for a bare-bottom contract. It was $750,000 a year, which is the league minimum, for a goalie who the last time he signed an NHL contract with the Red Wings made $9 million a season. Uh, you know, six-time Vezina Trophy winner, Stanley Cup winner, Olympic gold medal winner, uh, medal winner. To get him for $750,000 a year is a bargain. Um, and now, you know, he led the league in goals against average, was among the top five leaders in save percentage all season in the NHL. And now he's coming in and, and he's got uh, goals against average numbers and save percentage numbers that are among the tops of goalies in the playoffs. Uh, and he's outplaying Jean-Sebastien uh, Jaguer, who a lot of people consider one of the best, if not the best, goalie in the league right now. Um, so, you know, he's absolutely, it was a great move by Ken Holland. A lot of people who criticized him are now saying, you know what, maybe he was on to something. But more importantly, Ken Holland's ready and willing to sign Dominic Hasek for a, a contract next year. He'll sign him tomorrow if Hasek says he's game. So... So to wrap up the NHL talk, what's your synopsis of the remainder of the playoffs? Uh, the remainder of the playoffs, I think Ottawa's going to make it out of the East. Um, I think the Red Wings are going to make it out of the West. Uh, I think Ottawa's going to have a lot easier time with Buffalo. They're probably going to take them, I, I would guess, in four or five games, uh, which I think is a shock to a lot of people. But Ottawa's just been manhandling the Sabres. Um, the Wings are going to have a tougher time with Anaheim. Um, Anaheim's a tough team. All the games are going to be close. I wouldn't be surprised if all of the games for the rest of the series go into overtime. But the Wings, they've got the grease, as Mike Babcock likes to say, the, to, the grit to get them through the playoffs. And I think that they will make it to the Stanley Cup final. And I think the Detroit Red Wings will be the 2007 Stanley Cup champions. You heard it first right here on, right. The, on the Spartan Sports Wrap. We're going to take a quick break. Our number, 517-432-3893, coming up on this very show. Just a few weeks after being hired into the women's basketball program, a women's basketball coach is leaving. I'll tell you who it is and the irony of the situation. When we return, you're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. 
Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap. MSU, Student Radio, 88.9 FM locally, impact89fm.com. Around the world, we can be heard through our cutting-edge technology via our live stream on our website. That's impact89fm.com. Also, you want to go back and listen to that brilliant interview we just had with WDBM's own John Fournier on NHL Hockey. We podcast everything we do here on the Sports Wrap, and that will be on our very website, impact89fm.com. Just click podcast section and you'll see a list of more than 20 shows of the Spartan Sports Wrap. Also, our email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. That's our call letters, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Also, our phone number, if you'd like to call in, it's 517-432-3893 as we transition to women's basketball. Just a few weeks after being hired into the program at Michigan State, there is a Michigan State women's basketball coach that is leaving. Before you all think, oh, wow, Susie Merchant is leaving. Oh, no. Here's the situation. Joanne P. McCauley left to Duke. And there was some discussion who she was going to take from Michigan State to Duke University. Her decisions were made. Susie Merchant was hired, and she hired a former assistant of McCauley's who was here. Her name was Anne-Marie Gilbert. And since Susie Merchant left Eastern Michigan to coach at Michigan State, there was a job open. So Eastern Michigan was looking for a new head coach. And they say, Anne-Marie Gilbert, we would like you to be our next head coach. So from being hired to the staff, do you see the irony here? Yeah. She's going to be, no hard feelings though. But she gets to keep the same colors, green and white. So, I mean, you're going from the Big Ten to the MAC, you know, tough. But at the, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a head coaching opportunity for Gilbert She's 38 years old. She's been with Michigan State as an assistant for the past five years, helping Michigan State to a 122-43 and record, as well as five straight NCAA tournament appearances. Also that, you know, Joanne P. had a lot to do with that as well. We can't knock her. She was a, she was a good coach. She built Michigan State up to the top level that it is today in women's basketball. So e- EMU's coach, Susie Merchant, is now Michigan State's coach and former assistant at Michigan State, Amory Gilbert, will transition to the head coaching vacancy at Eastern. So many new women's head basketball coaches in the state, if you really think about it, University of Michigan, Michigan State, Eastern, just a whole carousel of coaching in women's basketball. Gilbert, she's a new coach at Eastern Michigan. She used to be here. Um, This is according to the Detroit News, by the way. Nothing official on this, but this should happen early this week. Gilbert has head coaching experience. She guided Division Three. Oberlin, do you know where that is? Oberlin College, where I believe that? that's in Ohio. Oberlin College, uh, from '94 to 2002, she was a head coach there, so she does have head coaching experience. And then she joined jo- joined Joanne P's staff here at Michigan State, and obviously McCauley left last month to become the head coach at Duke University. So now that leaves another spot open on Susie Merchant's staff. So I'm sure there'll be some additions to the staff this week. She did hire. Her former assistant at Eastern, so he just came along. Shane Klipfell will be an assistant coach here at Michigan State alongside Susie Merchant, the new women's head coach. So the coaching carousel continuing to spin. Um, Gilbert, she'll go to Eastern Michigan. I'm very familiar with the Mid-American Conference. Um, she did play two years at Ohio University. Not to be confused with the Ohio State University. There's two there? As we know, we are constantly reminded of. And let me remind you of our phone number. It's 517-432-3893. Our email address, wdbmsports 
at gmail.com. So Susie Merchant will have some things to do and some hires to make. But all in all, I believe women's basketball is in safe hands. I mean, they got her at a nice price tag. Joanne P. McCauley was making upwards of half a million dollars. Susie Merchant hired in at 250000 a year with incentives. So you're getting, you're getting half, you know, 50% discount here on a coach. She loves the job. I've, I've actually talked to her. Great lady. We're going to get her on the show in the next couple of weeks as things quiet down with her because she's just been running around trying to put together a staff. So we're going to get her on the show. And in the upcoming weeks also, as I've promised, Gus Ganakis, former Michigan State head basketball coach in the early 70s, came in right before Judd. He does Michigan State basketball color commentary with Will Teeman on the Spartan Radio Network. He's going to join us, Gus Ganakis, when shed some light on his coaching experience and what it's like to do games for Michigan State, and he's been doing it for quite some time now. Also, coming up this hour, Michigan State shortstop Brandon Doherty had a great series against Northwestern this past weekend. Doherty's going to be joining us in about eight minutes. Is the Spartan shortstop? Had some nice double plays. He's an interesting character. You're gonna, you're really going to enjoy the interview with Brandon Doherty. He is definitely one of a kind. That's coming up in this hour. Also, we'll talk Drew Stanton, Michigan College Athlete of the Year. And uh, right now, John, as we as we wait to you know hear from this talented shortstop, I would like to touch on an issue here. University of Michigan, are they really the top underachieving program of the past 10 years in men's basketball? Wow, that's a tough question, but uh, they are one. I would say yes, they are one of them. But with all the sanctions and everything that they went through, I'd say they've recovered and they're doing fine. But I really don't like the decision to fire Tommy Amaker. I thought he was turning the program around and doing a good job with what he had. And I would like to see what he could have done in the upcoming seasons. But um, Michigan decided to go another way, and... Um, We'll see where they go from here. So, the, so you'd put them in that group of top the last the top ten of the last ten, as ESPN coins it. Okay, Michigan. They have the sixth largest athletic budget in two thousand six. That's sixty seven point nine million dollars. But we know how things work in the Big Ten, and more importantly, down in Ann Arbor. Where do you think a lot of that money is going? Clearly to football. Yeah. Clearly to... You see Michigan's going to expand their stadium. Oh, yeah. Earingly similar to Spartan Stadium. The the addition is earingly similar. So, you know, obviously Michigan State is a trendsetter. Advancing knowledge, transforming lives. Michigan State University. Put the motto out there. You are listening to MSU Student Radio. You got to throw that out there. Just in case President Simon's tuned in. You know, show some love to the press. 517-432-3893 is the number. WDBM Sports at gmail.com is the email address. Alongside the Latin assassin, John Vargas, I'm Dan Duggar here every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. More importantly, we're discussing the school down the road. That is the University of Michigan. Okay, we look at the athletic budget of the University of Michigan, $67.9 million. Although if you look in ratio of, a, of that budget, a lot of the revenue that a university makes is from football. So, you know, albeit you have to devote a lot of money to the football programs, as we do here at Michigan State. But, you know, I've seen, I've heard of figures that, you know, people throw around that Michigan State football funds like 60% of the athletic department. You know, I don't know this for sure. But, you know, it's it's an arbitrary number, but I could believe it. But we look at Michigan State, Mich- University of Michigan. Let's not confuse these two basketball programs, please. Their basketball program, expenses of $3.6 million, 
in 2006. That's 49th in Division One. So is this a monetary issue, or is it a combination of the, mon- the monetary, the budget, in- the budget going on in-, in Ann Arbor? Is it the combination of sanctions by the NCAA? What do you think it is? Uh, I think it's more sanctions, uh, to be honest with you. The budget, I really don't think, uh, you know, they, they showed, they put their budget there, but as we know, Michigan, uh, you know, money can come from anywhere. And, you know, so I don't think, I think it was more an issue with the sanctions. A lot of recruits probably were deterred from going there. That probably would have went there. But at the same time, you know, the state is basically split in half because this is a great, uh, school for basketball as well with a great tradition and a great program and a great coach that's been here for a long period of time. So um, you could see where, you know, a recruit would choose Michigan State over Michigan. Will there ever be a day where you, the University of Michigan's basketball program is on par with Michigan State? There's a chance. I mean, there's always a chance. Um, do I see it? Do I see it right now? No. Um but you never know. That's why they play the games, they say. So. You know, we'll flip it. We're not going to put all propaganda out here for Michigan State. Is there ever a day where Michigan State's football program gets on par with the Maize and Blue? Once again, same thing. You never know. That's why they play the games. Uh, you know, all it might take is that one recruit. Before Mike Vick went to Virginia Tech, how many people did you know said that Virginia Tech was their favorite school? You know, it take it could take that one player um, with the Michigan State basketball program, I would say Magic, Urban Magic Johnson Absolutely. did that. Um, you know, all it could take is that one player for Michigan for Michigan's basketball team to come up and uh, Michigan State's football team to come up. So you never know what the role holds at the other end. Obviously, you know, in hockey this year, collegiate hockey, Michigan State won the national championship. So to those fans in, our, in Ann Arbor, who are using that crutch of who won the last national championship, and you would use the crutch of women's softball. Clearly, Michigan State hockey now in the lead here. Most recent national champions in hockey. Although no Michigan, disrespect to the women's to the women's team, though. Yeah, no disrespect, but Michigan State has won the most recent national championship in men's ice hockey. Although Michigan seemed to have our number at times during the year, like when they, like when we had the lead with. About 20 seconds left at the Joe. Michigan came back and fired a puck in the net in the final seconds to tie things up. And it remained tied. Obviously, a salty taste. Things remained relatively even between the two schools in hockey all season. But we see when Michigan State got to the these, the playoffs, the, the you know Frozen Four, all that deal, they made it happen. They beat powerhouses. They won when it mattered. But more importantly, joining us in a few minutes will be Michigan State shortstop Brandon Doherty. Michigan State is coming off a four-game winning streak, and they have won seven of their last eight games. Joining me now on the Spartan Sports Wrap, he likes to be called Daddy. We'll talk about that in a second. Get nasty. Brandon Doherty is in the house. What's up, BD? How's it going? Hey, first of all, I know you're a busy guy. You guys are in the midst of your season. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem, man. I appreciate it. So Brandon Doherty in the house tonight on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Spartan shortstop. First of all, we gotta we got to take care of the business first. They call yeah. you like to be called Daddy. What what's the nickname Daddy? The way you patrol the shortstop area out there at spot number five or what? Honestly, just it was kind of a control thing. I uh it's a nickname that hasn't caught on yet with my teammates, though is the problem. Just started out with video games with Gerstenberger, my second baseman, and uh 
I just told him I'd kill somebody in the game, and then it'd be like, just call me daddy, boys. And nobody else has caught on yet, but I'm still going to keep throwing it out there. Hey, we call, we'll call him daddy. You know, we'll give him his props. His name's Brandon Doherty. He's joining us here tonight on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Doherty is coming off a great series against Northwestern, where Michigan State won four in a row, had a nice three-for-three three game in that doubleheader on Saturday. Talk about that, how your bat is now starting to heat up at the right time of the year. Uh, you know, it's I was switch-hitting first part of the season, the left side. I just wasn't getting it done and had a meeting with Coach Curry, sat down, talked about it, and just figured out that I would just be helping the team uh, more if I just stayed on my stronger side, my natural side, which is the right side. And then uh, worked with Coach Baldwin a lot, hitting, working on my timing, and just staying through the balls longer. And it's just kind of coming together for me right now. Doherty coming off a 3-for-3 three three appearance in that doubleheader game on Saturday. You guys have won four in a row now, seven of your last eight. How important is it to you guys that you guys shut the door on Northwestern and got the series sweep this past weekend? I mean, it was it was huge. It's uh, you know, it's we're we're looking at it as kind of a momentum thing. You know, we're going to go into Illinois now with just confident attitude, ready to have some fun and play hard and uh, see if we can't take three or four from them. Joining us tonight on the Spartan Sports Wrap is Michigan State shortstop. Brandon Doherty, we like to call him Daddy, I suppose. But another thing you do during the games, some fans can hear it if you sit close enough, ground ball to either you or your second baseman, Gerstenberger. Get nasty is what you guys yell at each other. Yeah. What's the story behind get nasty? Uh, just Steve. I'll, I'll give Steve his credit. Um, he's the one that started it. Whenever uh, it's a close ground ball that you're going to have to dive for, slide for, just more of a, it's more you say it for the tougher plays that you probably shouldn't maybe make. And it just, I don't know, we just, it just kind of happens. You don't think about it. Just if you see a close one to each other, then we're yelling it at the other one. And then when you do get nasty and make that play, it's just, just big pump up for both of us. So just, it just kind of comes out, man. Taking some time out of his schedule tonight is Michigan State shortstop Brandon Doherty. Michigan State is just, I believe, a game. And a half behind Illinois? Yeah, I believe so. Illinois is at 14-12, and 12, Michigan State 13-14 and 14 in the conference, 23-24 and 24 overall. Doherty, what's it going to take down this in this last weekend? We'll, we'll, I, don't, I don't mean to skip ahead, but we're looking at Illinois now. The series down in Champaign. What, what do you guys have to key in on to win 3 of 4? Because you know if you win 3 of 4, you guys are in the tournament. Mm-hmm. It, I think it comes down really to who wants it more and who's going to play harder. And as long as, you know, our pitchers compete, keep the ball down, and um, all the hitters, including myself, we just put together good A-Bs, come up. Uh, mostly Coach Greer always talks about uh, clutch hitting, two-strike hits, two-out hits, most importantly, then whichever team does that the best is going to come out on top. And we've been doing that well lately, so I'm banking on it's going to be us. Hey, since you are only a junior, you will be back next season. Uh, my my partner here, John Vargas, my co-host, has a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Brandon, this is John uh, Dan's uh, uh, co-host, co-host tonight. Uh, I have a question for you. I'm also a community college transfer student, and I wanted to know how was your time playing baseball at your community college, Hutchinson Community College? How did that help prepare you for major collegiate baseball at Michigan State? Um, I think it just uh, helped me get prepared get prepared for the next level, you know, it's, I, I would say just, uh, like physically, 
I probably wasn't ready for Division One baseball coming out of high school, and it just kind of helped me mature, uh, learn the game a little better, and just improve my game overall. And I just, I know I learned uh, what it takes to be a winner. I was at a winning program, and we learned how to win. And it just, I just carried it over, and I'm just trying to do that here with the Spartans. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but from the way, from the way you responded, uh, it sounds like you wouldn't take that experience back. Am I right? No, you are 100% correct. Uh, even guys on the team, you know, they'll joke around with us, uh, JUCO guys, as they'll call us, and um, you know, they'll give us a hard time. Oh, you JUCO guys, this, you JUCO guys, that. We uh, just, I don't know. It's kind of a pride thing. We're not ashamed of it. Coming out of high school. Uh, I think a lot of people have a negative opinion on guys that are going to JUCO saying they're not good enough and all that, but we're proud of where we came from. And just, I really don't think you could understand it unless you were a JUCO guy. Right. Right. Just built into you. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, here's a lighter subject. I was looking at your community college career and I seen you got 37, uh, HBPs, which is hit by pitches, uh, Tell me, do you got any welts? Do you got any spots? I mean, have you healed? I mean, that's a lot of hits. Um, you know, it's just, it was kind of a thing that at my JUCO, if we got out of the way, then Coach Crooks, head coach there, he uh, would make us run. And that was kind of, I'll be honest, I really don't <laughs> like running. And so uh, I just started wearing them, and then finally I just realized that it would get me on base, and it's only going to help the team. And finally, I just went in the office like, hey, coach, what's the record? Do we have one? And honestly, it was just, I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to break that record. I want it. And so I just went after it. I mean, I ended up getting it, which is also lucky. You know, pitchers not making pitches, but just stay in there and wear it. I mean, it's going to hurt, but you'll get over it. I'm fine. Had some bumps and bruises, but I know it only helps the team in the long run. So, I mean, I really don't mind doing it. Right. What would you say was the fastest pitch you ever took as far as getting hit by a pitch? Um, a guy by the name of Elbert who was drafted in the first round by the Dodgers, and I actually wore it when I was 17, and it was like 96. Up and in and just, I mean, I'll be honest, that was the worst thing that I ever did probably, but <laughs> I mean, I got on base, so I guess it was okay. Doherty does whatever it takes to get on base. Speaking of HBPs, getting hit by a pitch, Bottom of nine on Sunday. You guys are tied with with Northwestern, three apiece. You're actually hit by a pitch and you get aboard. What are you thinking when you got EJ Dawes in front of you? You got Sean Walker, then you got Chris Roberts up to bat. What are you thinking when you're you're obviously in that combination of winning runs for your school? Well, right when we got into the dugout and I go, Dawes, you start us off. I'm going to win this ball game for us. And Steve and I talked about it to Gershenberger. He goes, tell you what, Dawes gets on, I'm getting him over, you get him in, and let's win this thing. And I got in the box, it was curveball up and in, great pitch to wear, because curveballs normally don't hurt as much. And uh, I would, I'll be honest, I, I would have preferred, you know, uh, to get the game-winning hit, but then I was on I was on base, and I thought for senior day, you know, it would have been great. Dawes starts us off being a senior, and then just kind of a storybook moment, Walker comes up being another of the four seniors and knocks uh, Dawes in for the winner on senior day. So that was kind of where I was thinking once I got on. So obviously Chris Roberts came up and stepped up with his second straight 
game-winning hit. So Chris Roberts, a freshman, playing great for you guys. But more importantly, BD, I'm glad you're taking time out. We're firing so many questions at you. Oh, no problem, man. I, I appreciate the time. All right. We, we talked earlier today about this interview, and you said you had an interesting story about how you came from Hutchinson Community College to Michigan State. Can you explain that story for our listeners? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, freshman year, you don't think about college too much once you're out of JUCO because most guys don't transfer and talk to their second year. And then I was getting kind of nervous about it. I hadn't really had any calls yet from anybody. And I just went into the office one day to talk to uh, my head coach, Coach Crooks. And he's like, hey, I got a call today from uh, Michigan State. I was like, who? You know, I mean, I never imagined myself being at a Big Ten university, really. And he's like, yeah, he's, uh, they're interested and they're going to call you tonight. So be expecting their call. And I just kind of asked, how'd they hear about me? And he goes, honestly, I really have no idea. And he goes, but they're interested. All right, well, I'll be waiting for their call. And then uh, I got a call from uh, Coach Steely, the pitching coach, and just talked to me. And I got a good vibe from him and then got a call from Coach Gruy. And then that was it. I just had a good feeling about everything. All right, speaking of good feelings, heading in, I believe it was in Saturday's, the second game of Saturday's doubleheader. Um, there's one out. Um, you guys, I believe you guys, you may have been trying, I'm not sure. You guys turned a double play to shut the door on Northwestern. It seems that, I'm not trying to knock on you, it seems that when balls are hit extraordinarily hard, for a play that's going to be extraordinarily hard for you to make, backhand diving, whatever it may be, that you are brilliant and you make that play. Talk, talk about the, your ability to turn double plays. You look like Jeter out there. I mean, uh, uh, Jeter's one of my, he's one of my favorite players, that's for sure, but I don't know, I think the tougher plays, it comes down to uh, practicing them. And when we're in the indoor and Duffy, we I don't, we don't really have a name for them, but I guess you'd call them uh, like sports center top tens or web gyms, more, more or less, that you can't make great plays if you don't practice them. And we'll work on Coach Baldwin will hit fungos that are ground balls. Sorry if you guys know what fungos are. The fungo bat, yeah, I'm familiar. yeah. yeah, yeah. He'll uh, he'll hit ground balls way to our right, way to our left, where you have to dive, get up, throw, slide on a knee, and I think it was just part of the practice. It just you practice what you can do, and we practice it, so it just kind of happens, I guess. Joining us on the Spartan Sports Wrap for just a few more moments is Michigan State shortstop Brandon Doherty. He helped lead his team to four straight victories. They've won seven of their last eight. All right, BD, what's what's one of the uh, one of the more interesting pregame rituals that you or a teammate has that you can share with us on the air? Oh man, I to be honest, I I don't really have any rituals except maybe that I'm the slowest get ready guy on the team. I don't. I mean, I, I really don't have anything. Is it and, is it the gummy bears? Do you get on some of those gummy bears in the dugout or what? Well, see the gummy bears. You're uh, not supposed to uh, dip into those too often. Those are more for the coaches only. Maybe the bad boys will get them some, but. I'd be lying if I said when the coaches weren't mean or some, I didn't grab a couple a couple times. So I I don't know the coaches they don't really mind if we're winning. That's for sure. All right, here's one for you. I'm not sure. I have to. I haven't looked back in the stats. Were you on base Friday when Sean Walker hit the grand slam? Yes, I was. What's going through your mind? Were you familiar that Sean Walker was best friends with the pitcher from Northwestern? Like really uh, good yeah, friends. We, we actually talked about that right when uh, he came into the game. Let me let me set the table for you, listeners. 
Sean Walker's up to bat. Bases loaded clearly. And this is Friday. Michigan State is trailing now by one run in the bottom of five. Sean Walker steps up. Who's on the mound? None other than his childhood friend from no- who pitches for Northwestern. Doherty, clearly you're on base. So yeah, I was, I was on first. And um, the whole time, Lowe's was saying, hey, uh, ground ball, you got to try to break up two, beat the throw, just get a good secondary. And Walker was just battling. It was a long A-B, a lot of foul balls. And uh, right when he hit it, I knew he got it good, but I, I honestly did not think it was leaving the yard. And I knew that I saw the left fielder's run, and I knew he wasn't getting to it, and so I just started motoring. And um, Gers was waiting to tag, and right when it hit, though, right when it, it, it went through the wall, it went right over the wall between the uh, scoreboard, and right away I looked at Steve, and we just started laughing. And Steve waited for me to uh, Gersenberger waited for me to catch up with him so I could high-five him coming around third, and it was just an awesome feeling, you know, waiting on Walker to come around and everybody hitting our helmets together, so it was a pretty exciting moment. I got a little treat for you. Before we let you go, we got about a 30-second clip of the actual call of this Grand Slam, courtesy of me, so take a listen. Here's the actual home run call, and your name is called out here, Doherty, so take a listen. 6-6, we're in the bottom of five. Northwestern scored five in the top of five to, to take a one-run lead. Michigan State responded with one run already this inning. Zero outs, a full count to Sean Walker with the bases jacked. Walker swings on this one, hit high and deep in the left field, back to the wall. His left fielder, he can't make the grab. This ball is gone. Grand slam for number 35, Sean Walker. And Brandon Doherty and Steve Gerstenberger slap hands as they round third base. And why not? That's a grand slam, Sean Walker. So although you're not Sean Walker, Doherty, congratulations on being a part of that grand slam. Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. I actually, I just got chills. You know, I'm sitting in my room right now, and that's awesome. It was awesome. Hey, Doherty, we appreciate your time. We wish you the best of luck, and I'm hoping I can broadcast those games in the Big Ten tournament when you guys make it. No, hey, I got a quick thing for you. I just thought about it. If, do we have time for this? Doherty, we've got till 8 o'clock, brother. All right, I got a quick one for you. I thought about the pregame ritual, and it uh, kind of it just started recently with Gersenberger and I picked up on it because we both kind of have long hair going out, and it's called Click, Click, Boom. And you just, uh, one of us will wet our hair down as much as we can, and when a, a guy on our team's not expecting it, you just kind of walk up to him, and you yell, Click, Click, Boom. And right when you yell, Boom, you jerk your head in his motion and just soak him with the water. So that's, that's probably the only pregame that I got, I got for you. <laughs> hey, Doherty, we appreciate your time. No, I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, take care. Brandon Doherty. Take care. Good luck. Brandon Doherty, Michigan State shortstop. What a great interview that was. That may be the best interview I've ever done. We're going to take a break. When I return, the number 517-432-3893. Click, click, boom. You're listening to WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. 
Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap. I'm your host, Dan Duggar. If you'd like to give us a call, the number, 517-432-3893. The email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Before we progress to our next subject, I would like to share some thoughts with some players from the Michigan State baseball team. E.J. Dawes, a senior, doesn't necessarily start a majority of the time in right field or the outfield. He can play almost anywhere on the field. He did get the start in in Sunday's game, This this the finale here, for Michigan State, their final home game, and with like we've talked, like we just talked about with Doherty, with the with two on and the score tied in the bottom of nine, EJ Dawes, the senior, scores the winning run on a hit on a base hit by Chris Roberts. So EJ Dawes basically represents the win for Michigan State on Sunday. And here's what EJ Dawes had to say when I spoke with him after the game. Okay. All right. All right, senior day, you're two for four, you score twice, you come through in the bottom of nine, couldn't end it a better way for you. I mean, it's, yeah, it's true. Uh, I'm just, I was just happy to, you know, get a good pitch, a couple good pitches to hit. They've been pitching us real tough all weekend, and I got a, a couple, you know, pretty good balls to hit and put a good swing on it, and uh, it was exciting, you know, especially on senior day in front of, you know, all my family and friends and all the fans and stuff, being at, last time at home. It's just an awesome feeling. It was, it was, it was really cool. Couldn't have come in a better situation, sweeping the series with Northwestern, heading into a week where you guys really needed to be on a hot streak, and you guys truly are. Well, we're definitely, yeah, we're definitely a streaky team, and we've shown that, you know, both ways this season. And uh, I mean, you couldn't ask for more of a role to, you know, head into this this last weekend, which is going to be same deal. We're going to have to grind out some wins and uh, win a series next weekend against, you know, real tough Illinois team. So we're excited about it. just have a good week of practice and go with it. You bet. That was EJ Dawes. He played right field in the win that concluded the series against Northwestern Michigan State. Won four in a row in Big Ten play in seven of their last eight. More importantly, though, I did have a chance, not more importantly, but I did have a chance to sit down with Gerstenberger. Steve Gerstenberger, he's kind of Doherty's sidekick over there at second base. Also says get nasty and also does click, click, boom, I guess, in the locker room before the game. He leads the team with a three fifty three batting average with 26 RBIs, his 67 hits is a team high. Here's what Gerstenberger had to say after Sunday's win. All right, obviously you're forming in well to that leadoff position, three for five today in a big series sweep for you guys against Northwestern. Talk about how important it was to get these four wins. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, liver or do or die right now. If we uh, we don't win all four, we don't have a chance really to get in the Big Ten tournament. We got a, it looks like we got to win three out of four next weekend. So I mean, this was just huge. It, Coming off a big weekend from Ohio State, then being able to do this, I mean, getting high at the right time. Although you're not a senior, it has to be special for the team as a whole to see EJ score that winning run in the bottom of nine. Yeah, I mean, it really is. He's been, like, uh, doing everything for the team. You know, he's not a, not an everyday starter, but he's always got the right attitude to help the team out when wherever we need him. And, I mean, it's just awesome to see him score the game winning run. Heading into this week, what are your focus areas to make it happen and get into the Big Ten tournament? I mean, we gotta we gotta stop. We can't worry about what everybody else or you know the other team. We just gotta worry about ourselves and take care of business. I think. I mean, 
I think everybody feels like we're a better team. We just got to go out there and play the game we know how to. Thanks. That was Steve Gerstenberger, the second baseman for Michigan State, batting three fifty three on the year. Had a great game on Sunday, a great series, as did Michigan State. They now stand at 23-24 and 24 overall. And in the Big Ten, they are 13-14, and 14, eyeing that sixth spot. Top six teams in the Big Ten will make it to the Big Ten tournament, and that is a goal of this green and white squad. And if I was a betting man, I would take Michigan State against Illinois. They would need to win three out of four. And if you look, they're going to have well-rested starting pitchers. We're going to see Craig Brooks, the ace, most likely on the mound on Friday. I'll take Craig Brooks against anyone in the Big Ten, to be honest. His record, although it is, I believe, under 500, it is not really a testament to the quality of pitcher that Craig Brooks really is. He's 4-5, and five, but Craig Brooks has a 3.87 ERA. He's in the top five, I believe, in innings pitched at Michigan State. He's a four-year starter. He's a veteran guy. He knows how to work batters, and I believe that Michigan State is really going to make it happen this weekend at Illinois. We're going to make a, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we wrap up the NBA playoffs, and we'll talk Detroit Pistons. The number five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Exposure on eighty eight point nine The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to Exposure. More importantly, you're tuned in to the Spartan Sports Wrapper on every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. You miss our show and you really want to listen to it. Go to our website, impact89fm.com. Click podcast. You'll see a list of previous shows, including interviews with men's head tennis coach Gene Orlando, Marquise Gray, Drew Neitzel, Edong Ebach, among others. It's impact89fm.com. Our phone number, if you want to get in in the last eight minutes, is 517-432-3893. The email inbox always open throughout the week. Drop me a line if you have any questions or comments or anything you'd like to see covered on this show. I just may cover it. WDBMSports at gmail.com. Meanwhile, Cleveland trails New Jersey in the second quarter, 24-22. Nets on top. That's on TNT. About 11 minutes to go there in the second quarter. Clearly, Golden State... Now trailing the Utah Jazz 3-1 to in that series. After they dismantled the Mavericks. Okay, I'll, I'll admit it. Last time we spoke, John, I said the Mavericks. It'd be a double D final. Detroit and Dallas. Dallas on top. Dallas clearly falls on their face in the first round. I was disappointed, discouraged, but nonetheless, Nowitzki is going to be named the MVP according to many league sources. Is Dirk Nowitzki the MVP? Wow. It's tough. That's a tough call. Um, you know, he actually 
he got his team to do what they did during the regular season, which was a great regular season. I think it was the sixth best best regular season in NBA his, history, if I'm correct. 67 wins, yes. Yeah. Um, it was a great regular season, and the MVP award uh, is based on regular season play. But at the same time, you can take a look at Steve Nash, and not only was he still his same, you know, Steve Nash, but he even improved his play as far as numbers go. But I think a lot, some of that has to do with Stoudemire coming back this season and playing the full season. So, yeah, I agree with uh, Dirk Nowitzki getting uh, the MVP. If you're solely going to look at the regular season, if you're going to look at just the regular season, not take in, in part the first round of the playoffs, clearly you have to give the MVP to Dirk Nowitzki. But unfortunately, um, the most recent play of an athlete will be in the minds of sports writers, of voters, and they're going to say Nowitzki fell flat on his face. He can't carry a team to a championship. He can't deliver when it's money time, as I've heard many people say, as I just may well agree with. But if you're just looking solely at the regular season, that's why they need to hand this award out at the culmination of the regular season. Before any playoff game tips off, hand out the MVP award to whoever deserves it, and Dirk Nowitzki obviously Deserved it. 67 wins. Had his best statistical year. Averaged over 20, over 10 boards. 20 points. I believe 10.1 boards a game. You know, when I, back in like 2000, 2001, 2002, when Dirk first really uh, shined in the NBA, that was my criticism of him, was his uh, rebounding. I, I believe your big man should, uh, you know, pretty much be down low and uh, get your rebounds, blocks, and do the dirty work. Um, and so, yeah, Dirk Nowitzki has actually improved his game to the point he has, like you said, with 10, 10.1 rebounds a game. Part of me, here's here's the official stats. At the end of everything, 9 rebounds a game, 24.6 points a game. So he didn't average a double-double, but for the kind of small forward that Dirk is, even though he's 7 feet tall, um, he, he got it done. He shot over 50% from the field, 90% from the free throw line. So if you're a 7-footer and you tell me you can't shoot free throws, take a look at Dirk. 90% from the line. Are you kidding? That's tremendous. That's great. So Steve Nash obviously could have won his third in a row. This is, you know, this is all you know, according to ESPN, but they seem, they seem to be breaking the stories as of late. So Steve Nash will not win his third straight, although... You know, but in in the in the same breath, San Antonio is up now on Phoenix. Is San Antonio your team out of the West? Oh yes, definitely. I thought the um, the West was going to come to from one of the teams in Texas, either Dallas or San Antonio. Um, I still think San Antonio's steady. They got the steady, the coaching staff with Popovich has been there for. It seems like the last 10, 15 years. Uh, and then Mr. Mister Reliable, Tim Duncan. You don't hear from him unless Joey Crawford's talking to him. But, uh, yeah, he's um, he's doing what he does. And, you know, he doesn't get as much hype, as much talk. But that's the way he is, and that's his personality. And he don't need to see that. All he needs to see is that jewelry at the end of the regular se- at the end of the postseason. More importantly, we'll look out east. In the Pistons, obviously they lost yesterday. They were down some 20 points in the third quarter. But we know they can come back from that and win. But also, Detroit will return home. And here's my philosophy, John. All right. I'm alongside John Vargas here. He's pinch hitting. You'll probably see him a lot throughout the summer, whether he knows it or not. 
But the Pistons needed to fly back to Detroit anyway, so they might as well just play one more game against Chicago and embarrass Ben Wallace and just put Joe Dumars on a pedestal for the brilliant move that he made by letting Ben Wallace and his greedy self go to Chicago for the, what, two, two to four million dollars more a year? As Ben Wallace will have a long off season, I'm sure the big fella doesn't golf. So whatever, I think he races electric cars actually. So uh, remote control cars, yes. Yeah, so he'll have a long off season. Um, the Bulls aren't coming back from a three zero deficit, and the Pistons, it's somewhat of a hiccup game. They went down there, they handled business, they got one on the road in impressive fashion, and they'll come back to Detroit. And clearly, this game will be won by fifteen or more points by your Detroit Pistons. But Dan, uh, the the philosophy I can see where you get that from. The only thing I have with it is uh, when you play a series. Um, if you remember last year, I believe it was Game Three or Game Four in Cleveland. I'm not exactly sure. But it was probably Game Three. Pistons were up two to one, I believe, and um, two to one or three to one. And Rasheed Wallace turned his ankle. Uh, you know, you can't you can't predict what will happen. That's why I feel you got to take care of business now. Um, the Pistons should win, um, and if they don't, if they don't win this series, which no team has, and ever uh, come back from a three zero deficit, yes, right. But at the same time, we didn't think uh, Dallas was going to lose to Golden State either. That's why they play the games, and uh, you don't you don't belittle your opponent. And Detroit better respect Chicago because they're young. This game was definitely a confidence booster. Uh, unfortunately for Chicago, they are going to the Palace, and their road record isn't as great as the Pistons' road record was. Exactly. But still, you still want to close them out. Not only not only because you can't predict the unpredictable, but also you know extra two days break. You know, I'm sure the Pistons wouldn't have mind that. Yeah, Joe Dumars is going to look like a genius when it's all said and done, though. You look at Detroit, they were atop the Central Division at 53-29, and 29, four games ahead of Chicago. They're going to beat the Bulls in the playoffs. So, you know, you, you knock them in the two most important areas, the division and the playoffs. Joe Dumars, once again, looking like a genius. Is he the best GM in basketball? Wow. Um, the best GM, he's definitely up there. As far as the best, well, he really has done good work at Detroit. You know, I've I've been watching the Pistons. I was uh, too young to watch them during the Bad Boys days, and I was watching them during the Mark Macon, Terry Mills, John Henson, uh, Brian Cardinal days. Ooh. Yeah, that, those were tough times, as you all know. Only Grant Hill was the shining star, him and Joe D. But uh, from... 99 to 2000 yes the, he he really made that change so um yeah i would say he's probably the best gm in basketball if not jerry west absolutely jerry west or colangelo doing some work in toronto but more importantly doing some work next monday at 7 p.m will be myself i'm not sure if john vargas will be beside me but i'm dan Duggar. i host the spartan sports rep every monday night 78 p- 7 to 8 p.m be sure to tune in on 88.9 fm locally or through ImpactA9FM.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Brandon Doherty, Michigan State shortstop. And in honor of Doherty, click, click, boom, I'm out of here. This has been MSU Student Radio. Good the night, jazz, jazz Spectrum is next. Jeff Shoot. Thanks for listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in next Monday at 7 p.m. for more commentary on your favorite teams. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.